I'm Esther Armar. Welcome. You're listening to The Consent Convo on The Spin. It is that time for us to talk to the brothers on consent. The Consent Convo is a public, loving, unlearning, reframing conversation campaign on consent. It is an emotional justice project in partnership with Ebony.com. Throughout October, I'll be talking with black men about how they learned about consent, from whom, how that learning shaped their relationship to their body, sex, power, men and women. This program is brought to you by the African-American Public Radio Consortium. I'm joined by Darnell Moore and Byron Hurt. Darnell Moore is a writer and activist. He is senior editor, correspondent at Mike News, host of The Movement, co-managing editor of The Feminist Wire, and he works with a writing group of black men called Brothers Writing to Live. Byron Hurt is an award-winning filmmaker and an activist. His latest film is Soul Food Junkies, and his next film is called Hazing, How Badly Do You Want In? Byron explored black masculinity in his films I Am A Man, his short film Barack and Curtis, and he explored gender roles and misogyny in hip-hop with the unforgettable and critically acclaimed hip-hop beyond beats and rhymes. Welcome, welcome, fellas. Hey, Esther, how you doing? Consent. We're asking men to stand up. Speak out. How did you learn about consent? Who taught you? What did they teach you? How did their teaching shape your relationship to yourself, to sex, to your body, to power, to men, to women? What were the notions of masculinity that surrounded you and how did they impact your understanding of consent? What do we need to unlearn to create healthier relationships? And looking back, what would you tell your 14, your 19-year-old self? Let's start with this conversation. The Consent Convo. Daniel Moore, let me start with you, your thoughts. I've been thinking about consent a lot. One, I never heard that term at all growing up. No one ever used that word with me. And in fact, I never had a conversation about mutual agreement to either engage. Like, I was never taught that when you're engaging someone intimately, when you're engaging someone's space, that there needs to be mutual agreement. I just never had a conversation like that. I mean, in fact, in the counter, I mean, I... You know, I, I was a child who was sexually active at a very young age with older cousins who, women, girls, who, who, who in fact did not even, I mean, so consent was not something that I knew in terms of sort of theory, nor did I understand it as practice <laughs> because no one, I was not asked permission to, to, um, to engage sexually like that. So I don't know, it, it, it wasn't a word that I picked up on idea until I picked up into much later in life, right? Like I, the thought of what it means to like not be put at risk, not be touched, mm-hmm. um, to be safe was a, was a feeling and thought that I had with me, but no, I never sat down and, and, and had that conversation with anyone um, until much later. And I had to come to learn that through the circle of friends, through, through my own learning, really through the work of like black feminists and um, black lesbian feminists in particular and the community that I was part of. Mm, that's powerful. Byron Hutt. Your thoughts? I don't recall learning much about consent, learning, understanding what consent means, 
um, understanding that, uh, you know, women have the right to control their own bodies <clears throat> in heterosexual relationships with men. I didn't learn much about consent until the phrase no means no became popularized. And I'm trying to pinpoint exactly when that actually happened in American culture. It had to be somewhere in the mid to late 90s, I believe. I'm not 100% sure about that. I have to go back and look. But that was when consent became an issue. Prior to that, you know, for me, you know, sexual relationships were all based on relying on sexual cues, you know, um, that, that you received, uh, you know, in a sexual encounter. And that was pretty much, you know, what I did as a man engaging in heterosexual relationships did with women. It wasn't really until I got involved with this program called the Mentors and Violence Prevention Program, which is a, a program designed to educate boys and men about rape and sexual assault and battering, that I, I really began to understand like the power dynamics in sexual relationships, things like alcohol and consent, and really understanding how unaware most young boys and men are when it comes to issues around consent. Donnell, you spoke about being touched, so there was not any kind of negotiation or permission seeking. There was not a negotiation that it was something that was imposed on you. Do, do you remember like what kind of age that was for you? Yeah, I was young. I was like eight, just between eight and ten. So you imagine that that type of behavior shapes the way you come to understand the sort of sense about your body, what sex our sexual intimacy ought to look like or not. I've had, you know, some very clear images even of, you know, once being asked, I, I remember the, like the neighborhood kids are saying, like, you need to, they have a, a girl, a, a, a neighbor friend of mine who is a girl, and me trying to get us to have sex. Neither of us consented to that. But beyond just, like, I do want to think about sex uh, consent too, not just in the realm of a physical interaction, but what it means to, like, just to encounter somebody's space, to walk up on somebody, to emotionally attempt to engage someone. Like, there has to be mutual agreements to those things. Now, I, for me, consent isn't just about me being able to say no to unwanted sex. It's about me being able to say yes to the things that I want to do, to the ways I want to be engaged, to, to the people that I want to allow into my space. Um, and so much else, you know? That's really powerful because I think about the notion of a sex education that's devoid of the emotional, right? So the way in which sex is conveyed in our society is that it is a physical sexual act and the emotional engagement is detached. So the idea is the way sex is taught is it almost doesn't begin until there's physical touching, but all the actual negotiation of what it means to enter someone's space, that there's a whole range of different barriers and negotiations that we should be going through. So one of the terms we came up with around this emotional justice work is this idea of a continuous consent. What are the parts of myself that I consent to you being intimate with? And I'm, when I say intimate, again, it's not even necessarily sexual. And one of the things Asha Bandele spoke about in the launch conversation was the idea of reimagining a consent exactly as you identified, Darnell, beyond just the sexual, the idea of being in someone's space. So then I wonder as black men living in a world where your space is constantly invaded by different authorities, whether it's the, the state police officers, there's a way in which your space is invaded and there's so little permission negotiation. So I wonder then as you grow when you are figuring out what consent means, how does the notion of masculinity begin to shape what consent means for you? 
Byron? I think the notion of masculinity, the way that I have been socialized, if I'm looking back, honestly, on my life and combining that with uh, the experience that I've had working with thousands upon thousands of men and also working with black men, I, I think that we have a troublesome relationship with the notion of consent, especially when it deals with sexual relationships with women, girls and women. I do think that while black men, you know, suffer from having all sorts, you know, having the state imposed upon our bodies, you know, having our bodies violated by police terror and all of those different things, I do, I do believe that black men do share some level of privilege and entitlement when it comes to women's bodies and black women's bodies. That's my opinion, but I think that it is true, and I think that there's still a lot of lack of understanding when it comes to consent, you know, and, and giving women the, the right and the permission and the freedom to consent to sex every step of the way, you know, to give, to provide an affirmative yes to a sexual experience the entire step of the way. And I think that there are a lot of men, and I, I hate speaking for all men because I don't know all men, but I think that, you know, given the, the really high levels of, of race and sexual assault in um, communities of color, I think that there's still this belief that men are entitled to women's bodies, and I think that's what we have to work against. I think that's what we have to educate around, and, and I think that's ultimately what we have to change. Donnell, same question. We are socialized to understand ourselves as having access and control of women's bodies, of girls' bodies, but also what I've discovered even in, like, queer communities and communities of gay men, bi men, the same is true. Like, there's this idea that men, regardless of how we're oriented sexually, regardless of even our gender presentation, but, I mean, that, that can be talked about, too. So, like, tops and bottoms, this idea that the bottom is to be permissive, is to be the property of the masculine performing top, and it's supposed to give it up whenever it's warranted, or, or the, the way you're approaching clubs. And this is also racialized. You know, like, you think about consent, I think about, like, all the times, like, white men, white gay men sort of, like, surveil and come upon black gay men as if they're property in a different type of way. Like, this is racialized here. So yeah. th this idea that we carry this through all of our relationships, I, I have to check my own self. In relationships with both men and women in my life, like, the same has been true. There's this idea that control is in my domain, that power is in my domain, and it gets complicated when men are in a relationship because, in some sense, not all men are doing this in those relationships. But it's been my case where I've had been I've been called out on that. Like, Darnell, like this is we can't be. This is not sort of like a fight for control. Uh, and, and so, I like to say, like so much of those of those attributes you speak of, Byron, shows up too um, in in the relationships and lives and experiences of so many men, regardless of how they're how they're gendered and um, how to express their gender and how to engage sexually. If I were to ask you specifically, what about masculinity needs to be unlearned in order that we can find what we call an emotional justice, a pleasure in the permission piece? So the idea that the negotiation, the steps that need to be taken before going into someone's space are not just observed, but it's seen as an act of pleasure as opposed to a giving up of control. Because one of the things that I've been thinking about is the idea that the way in which particularly toxic masculinity is formed is it goes against all the definitions of the word consent, which is to allow, to yield, to accept. All the different definitions go against what toxic masculinity is defined as. So for you as individual men, 
What have you had to unlearn in order to be able to engage permission with pleasure? Or what do you still struggle with in order to make that real for yourselves, Byron? I've had to unlearn a lot of things about masculinity. You know, I've had to unlearn that women are less valuable than men, that women's bodies are disposable. Um, I've had to unlearn that men are innately more powerful than women and stronger than women. I mean, I can, I can just run, a, run down a whole litany of things that I've learned as a man about my manhood in relationship to girls and women. I think that's, that's where the education really needs to happen. You know, we have to really challenge the ways that we as men have been taught, conditioned, socialized, all of those different things in relationship to women, you know, and that takes, that requires a lot of work. And I know how hard it is to unlearn these things. And I know how hard it is to teach these things to a lot of men because it's so deeply ingrained in our culture and in male culture specifically. So we could have a whole show about what needs to be unlearned around manhood and masculinity. But I would say at the top of the list is really viewing women as being less than, disposable, playthings, people who are not worthy of respect and dignity. Those are all of the things that we have to unlearn as men, and we have to see women as fully human, just as we want to be seen as fully human. Donnell, same question. We had a part of a panel yesterday that was called Black Male Reimagined. And part of what we discussed there are, are that there isn't a sort of ma- a masculinity singular. There is masculinity is plural, and not all aspects of our masculine expressions, performances are bad, are toxic, but some are. And I think what Byron mentioned, these ideas of control and dominant exertion of power, are those aspects of masculinity that we need to evaluate, be self-reflexive about, and actually abolish. I'm Darnell Moore. I'm Byron Hurt. The Consent Convo. Consent is swag. Consent is smart. And smart is sexy. Thank you, Donnell Moore and Byron Hurt. Thank you. Bye, y'all. The Consent Convo is an emotional justice project. It's a public, loving, unlearning, reframing conversation campaign on consent in partnership with Ebony.com. And we're having it with men and women. It's a call to stand up and speak up. Subscribe to The Spin on iTunes and check out ebony.com every Thursday for The Consent Convo, a public, loving, unlearning, reframing conversation campaign on consent. I'm your host, Esther Armour. I got moxie. I'm so damn foxy. Industry try to block me like cops and paparazzi.
This program has been brought to you by the African American Public Radio Consortium, NPR Distribution, and the Public Radio Satellite System.